This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 434 of the Yellow Wall Pods. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund routing VfB Stuttgart 5 to nothing and securing a spot in the round of 16 in the UEFA Champions League thanks to a scoreless draw against Manchester City. And, of course, we will preview Saturday's top spiel away to fourth place Eintracht Frankfurt. For that and more, joins me Lars Pollmann. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. Uh, I'm tired and I have a somewhat stuffy nose. So apologies <laughs> in advance to you and all the listeners if uh, sound quality is less than perfect this time around. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll pull through. How are you, Stefan? Yeah, I'm I'm doing obviously excellent because, uh, as you may have heard, I was in Austin this weekend to watch uh, the Formula One race. And uh, it was really an experience of a lifetime. And uh, so apologies that there wasn't a podcast last week. But uh, I was very busy with work and then, uh, yeah, I was also flying to Texas. So, which is why we missed a couple of games to talk about, say the one all draw against Sevilla and the 2-0 loss against Union Berlin. And we also haven't really talked about the uh, cup win against Hanover, if I'm honest. But, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure we have recorded an episode that would have been you know, formidable enough uh, to talk about the uh, loss against Union Berlin a million times on this show. So uh, I do not regret regret not talking about it. And uh, yeah, the Hanover uh, win was almost routine, except that uh, Gregor Kobel was, uh, I think, the man of the match, which, uh, yeah, wasn't uh, ideal. But nevertheless, then Dortmund turned around and did route VfB Stuttgart, which I did uh, manage to watch uh, on the uh, somewhat shoddy hotel Wi-Fi. And uh, yeah, uh, having to realize that uh, Austin is indeed one hour behind uh, Eastern time, so uh, 8.30, I think, I had to be up for it. But uh, yeah, I needed to get up early anyway to catch uh, FP3 and whatnot. But uh, it was a very good game with Gio Reyna in the starting eleven for the first time since, oh God, I think the Manchester City game, if I'm not uh, entirely mistaken. And um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't know what to say, but uh, Dortmund did look really good and uh, played well from the first minute on. I mean, granted, they scored after, uh, what was it, one and a half minutes through Bellingham. Nice assist from Niklas Zülle. Um, Lars, obviously, VfB Stuttgart um, are a struggling team in the Bundesliga and uh, routing Bochum and Bielefeld did not... Uh, make a lot to change that however i think as a dortmund fan you can be overall be just happy that they uh won a game like this in a comfortable manner right yeah pretty much i mean um stuttgart played quite naive game i would say so uh, they they did all the things that you can't do against dortmund which is have a bit of uh, lack of intensity working off the ball and getting uh, too much space to the fullbacks and Bellingham roaming and Mukoko up front. So 
uh, I think obviously game state helped Dortmund quite a bit because it was, I think, 2-0 and basically game over after 13 or so minutes. And then to be fair to Stuttgart, I think they uh, held their head high relatively well, especially in the second half when Dortmund stepped off the gas a little bit. Um, I think easily Stuttgart could have scored at least once, maybe twice in the second half, uh, which also I think would have been a fairer reflection of the game because I don't necessarily think that Dortmund played them out of the park to the tune of uh, a five-goal difference. Um despite obviously being the much better team and the deserved winners, but I think it was more a, let's say, 3-2-1 or so game than a 5-0 necessarily, but obviously the finishing pixie as it is for Dortmund, uh, it's, <laughs> it's uh, the principle of the ketchup bottle, uh, as some commentators in Germany would say. So first of all, first nothing comes out and then everything all at once. Um, <laughs> Thanks for explaining it. it. <laughs> I'm not sure that the the metaphor is necessarily known. Well, it, it only works with the glass ketchup bottle, first of all, because the plastic you just squeeze nowadays. So it might have been lost in the in the ancient time, because I don't think most people are no longer using a glass ketchup bottle. But anyway, continue. Yeah, uh, I I just think it would be nice if Dortmund uh, spaced out their goals a bit better than they did over the last few weeks. Um. But obviously, you can't really be too mad uh, at a 5-0 win against a somewhat resurgent side. Obviously, as you mentioned, Stuttgart beat the last place team in the Bundesliga and then uh, turned around and beat up on the last place team of the second division in the cup. So I'm not sure how much of a resurgence that actually was from Stuttgart and anything uh, they came to Dortmund with in their arsenal, I think, was basically ruined after those 30 minutes. The goal by Bellingham from a nice Zule assist and the uh, uh, Zule goal off a set piece. Uh, <laughs> bit of a rarity for Dortmund this season. It might have been their first, actually. I'm not entirely sure outside of penalties. So, In the yeah, Bundesliga, I, mean, I think so, yeah. I mean, do you want to count the goal against Manchester City where uh, it sort of came off a set piece? I don't know. I don't remember much else, to be honest. Yeah, I think I read that they hadn't really scored off of set pieces this season. Obviously, they concede quite a bit uh, from dead ball situations, but quite honestly, I don't think there's too much to say about the Stuttgart game because there was obviously a, a huge disparity in, in quality and talent, and the game was basically over after 13 minutes, so it was nice to see Gio Reyna back on the score sheet and obviously meant quite a bit to him if you uh, remember how he celebrated with his teammates was nice for Mukoku to continue his uh, good run in front of goal, even though against Man City uh, that didn't seem to do him much good. Uh, yeah, I mean, a 5-0, as I said, that might have been more of a 3-0 or 3-1 kind of performance, but you always take those wins and kind of uh, nice to have games every now and then where you don't need to worry about anything quite early on. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the expected goals from Understead, it was 2.64 versus 0.99. So a 3-1 might have been the fair result if you look at these numbers. But in all honesty, I'm just really glad that uh, after what felt like a very long drought, uh, Dortmund scored a ton of fun team goals. I mean, the um, I would say the Bellingham goal was pretty well crafted and also a very nice pass by um, Zula. I thought the layoff from Mokoko to Reina was really nice and obviously uh, Reina picking out the far 
post from uh, where he was positioned. Uh, was a really nice curler. Couldn't quite replicate that against Manchester City either. But uh, yeah, uh, it was good to see um, him play like that. And uh, also, I thought that uh, Girena and uh, Julian Brandt um, just float very well in the half spaces. And uh, you can just see that Dortmund... I, I, I don't think I'm too critical when I'm saying that in possession... Uh, they do lack a bit of tactical ingenuity to break down oppositions. So um, having a guy like Gio Reyna who floats very nicely in the half spaces and can make stuff happen just because he is such a good player, um, I, you know, just suits Dortmund really well and uh, makes me very happy that he's uh, back. And uh, I hope we see him as a regular starter more often than not. Uh, as the season progresses, so um, yeah, that is obviously a. a, a big positive in my book um obviously Jude Bellingham uh, in between scored another worldie but um yeah the other goal I think Mukoko's really was uh the easiest tap in he might score all season and uh, this is something that uh Dortmund also just lacked in the past where um yeah obviously chance conversion was an issue but sometimes you just want to create more high quality chances and uh yeah nice uh layoff there from Guerrero I don't have the uh entire goal in front of my uh, imaginary eye, so I don't even know who got the pre-assist, um, but uh, I, I do know that it was uh, all very well played, and um, yeah, I think on top of that, we can be appreciative of the fact that Eden Tessic had the chance to uh, make some substi substitutions, I mean Emre Can already came on in the 56 minute for Schlotterbeck, who had a few uh, I think thigh problems also, and yeah, even Felix Paslak uh, made an appearance, someone who you would, I think, in this uh, <laughs> in this time call a human victory cigar uh, for Hummels in the 66th minute and then uh, Hazard on for Adeyemi in the 67th and yeah, Modest for Reyna and so on and so forth. And I think uh, Marius Wolf played the last 10 minutes for Guerrero. Um, so from that perspective, I think it's um, yeah a very positive day and... Um, I don't have much to add, really, other than uh, that Dortmund desperately need the three points because we will talk about Frankfurt in a second. Um, it's not going to get any easier anytime soon. So, um, yeah, that was uh, obviously very positive. Also, very positive in my book is that Dortmund are now through to the round of 16 in the Champions League. It was a scoreless draw against Manchester City. Uh, this time, Dortmund did not fall on their nose late in the game nor were they punished for a, <laughs> a penalty giveaway, let's say, by Emre Can, which uh, is almost a tradition. Uh, but, um, yeah, um, I don't know what to say. Obviously, we have to talk about the fullback situation. We had, um, I, I, I guess it was uh, Azar sort of as a left-back or left-wing-back and then uh, Adeyemi as a right-wing-back, if you will, or Zule Moore as a right-back, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Um, how you want to um, space this out. Uh, I think it was a 5-4-1 for most part, and sometimes it was a 4-5-1. So, um, you know, I think it interchanged quite a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, nevertheless, Manchester City probably not playing at 100%, but still an important and impressive result. What are your thoughts on uh, last night's game? Um... I think you would perhaps be uh, misled uh, by, um, you know, looking at some of the stats uh, in terms of possession and whatever and think that Dortmund kind of replicated what they did in the first uh, meeting with Man City 
uh, in England a few weeks ago uh, in terms of, uh, you know, sitting fairly deep, uh, defending in a low block, trying to, uh, I don't know, um, pull City into kind of an attacking vacuum with no spaces. I think it was a much more positive, if that's the right word, performance from Dortmund, especially in the first half. I think if at halftime Dortmund had been up by two goals, I don't necessarily know that Man City could have been too aggrieved with that. I mean, there was the, I would say, basically a sitter for Mukoko that he missed from a very nice uh, would-be assist from Adeyemi. And, and would be pre-assist from Zule, I want to highlight, because I really liked his uh, through balls playing from that position. Yeah, and uh, Adeyemi himself had a fairly glaring miss. Uh, <laughs> you already mentioned uh, Reina. I think he had two shots across the face of goal, basically, where he just didn't find the far post, as you alluded to earlier. Um, so there were, in the first half, enough chances for Dortmund to be deservedly up, which they weren't. Um, I think in the second half, it was kind of inevitable, especially with the, the subs that uh, Guardiola made, that City would be coming on a bit more strongly. Um, obviously, the, the penalty save was around the 60th minute, if, if memory serves. So mm -hmm. uh, if if Kobel doesn't save that, I'm fairly certain that City ride out a fairly comfortable victory. But Probably, yes. Uh, but that's not uh, what happened. Um because either Kobel didn't listen to Reina or listened to Mokoko because <laughs> there were some uh, disconcerting signals, if if you like, um, at the at the penalty by Mares. I side note, don't know why Mares still gets to take penalties. I mean, I guess uh, Haaland out as the the uh, standard taker for City, but they still have Ilkay Gundogan, who I know missed against Liverpool back in the day, but uh, he scored for Dortmund in the Champions League final and is the regular penalty taker for Germany as well, so I think he can handle uh, those spot kicks in the future. Uh, nevertheless, I think with um, energy levels fading a bit for Dortmund and looking at the, the bench, they didn't really have too many fresh legs they could bring on uh, in the center of the park, which is obviously where City hurt you the most usually. Uh, yeah, it was kind of inevitable that City would be um, pressing for that goal, but I honestly don't remember too many uh, chances City kind of played out, if, if that makes sense. There weren't too many cohesive attacks that Dortmund allowed, so honestly... I don't necessarily feel like or, or felt like the uh, goalless draw, uh, as it were, was ever really in doubt for Dortmund. Obviously, they didn't necessarily uh, push for the winner themselves. Um, I think it was the smart idea not to open up defensively because I think uh, making the round of 16 is much more important than the relatively small chance of uh, beating City to first in the group. So, yeah, uh, overall, making it into the knockout stages with a match to spare is uh, quite the feeling, I guess, because uh, obviously <laughs> uh, with the, the schedule uh, being as it is in, in, in this uh, truncated World Cup se season, it's, it's quite nice for uh, the match at Copenhagen to be completely relevant outside of prize money, I suppose. Um, coefficient points, also very important if you import three. Yeah, they are already in, in pot two, basically. Oh, really? 
pretty pretty certain that's the case given who else is going to drop out of the Champions League is, and, and such. But regardless, uh, as we've now have uh, precise proof of, uh, pot three isn't the end of the world. <laughs> and obviously, I also think uh, coming second uh, nowadays isn't the same as it used to be. Um, that might be anecdotal evidence. Um, but I mean... I think right now, as as the second team in in this group, they might be facing uh, Brugge or Porto, for example, from the Leverkusen group, both of which I don't necessarily think uh, would be the worst uh, draws for Dortmund. And quite honestly, if you look back at these 180 minutes against uh, Man City, uh, I'm I'm not necessarily certain that uh the the bigger clubs as it were are are going to hope for drawing Dortmund because I think the the trend under Edin Terzic is they are a nuisance to play against uh against the big teams, the uh, teams that can control games because Dortmund are quite good on the counter. They have uh a lot of uh good counter attacking players, so Adiemi or Reina or even Marlin, uh Mokoko, Reus if he's filled. Um so I think Dortmund are not going to be a favorable draw for most of these so-called bigger teams. So coming in second has its advantages for Dortmund. Yeah, I think you make a very good point and uh, you can definitely see the trend. And, uh, you know, had we recorded after the Union Berlin game, I think we would have massively bemoaned the fact that Dortmund in possession when they need to control a game or say come back against a very well organized team like Union Berlin, they almost utterly lacked the tools. I want to say almost because they did manage to create chances uh, late in that game and uh, arguably could have, you know, come out with a point or something. But, uh, you know, they needed a lot of good finishing and, and better luck in this game. But um, nevertheless, I think this is uh, for certain that Anatasic Dortmund are not a, a great possession team and uh, I don't think they're going to be anytime soon. I think... Uh, if they are going to be, then uh, there is a lot of development uh, still ahead of this team. And maybe it's also just because uh, the focus is currently on other things. But um, I think it is nice to see as a Dortmund fan that this team can uh, retain a defensive shape over 90 minutes. I mean, it didn't quite work in the uh, first fixture against Man City, but it certainly did work here. And um, yeah, obviously, you kind of need to lambast Emre Can for the penalty giveaway but first you know it was a bit soft you know it's not like he really uh hacked him and uh, i think also he needed to make a play for the ball otherwise uh maras would have been open so um yeah i can understand why he risked it but uh, apart from that uh, i thought that emre Can in this role played really well now obviously you don't want to see emre Can with the ball trying to dribble uh <laughs> through midfield this is never the player uh I mean, that's the player he sometimes thinks he is, but not really is. But, uh, you know, in games like this where he does not have too much possession and um, can focus on destroying the opponent, let's say, um, I think, um, you know, you have to highlight it. Especially I have to highlight it because uh, I have been very hard on him. So if he plays well or decent, um, I think uh, it needs to be said. Um, obviously, having Torgen Hazard play left back... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if this is a thing for the future, but at least it was very solid. And I think that uh, Niklas Zule uh, will feature uh, more often as a right back, just also because Thomas Meunier um, is uh, out now with a broken face. And uh, Niklas Zule looks very uh, 
decent. I mean, he's uh, racking up goals and assists now and uh, pre-assists almost. So um, yeah, I'm I'm quite content with him playing there. I think uh, it, it fits well. Also allows um, the Hummel-Schlotterbeck combination to uh, prevail as well, which uh, I think in my book is uh, doing pretty well too. Um, I think we have to talk about Hummels in a second, but uh, more importantly, um, I wanna I wanna make a quick point um, about uh, Julian Brandt because I think in the recent weeks, um, also the Union game you can include there. Um, he is maybe I don't want to say transformed, but maybe that's the right word into a player um, that is reliable, that makes way fewer mistakes than in the past. And is also way more aggressive against the ball. I haven't really looked into the Julian Brandt stats yet because I want to uh, wait a few more games to see. But um, I think he is uh, making the extra step or so uh, to really close down the opponent and then actually go for the ball. And uh, more importantly, he is very often winning it very cleanly and uh, managing then to do something positive with it. And I think... This is a very nice trend because Julian Brandt has been on <laughs> our collective shit list for a while after uh, obviously he started we started out as the Julian Brandt hive and I feel like now we're creeping all to be back in it at least I personally am and uh, I think that is a very positive development for a player that Dortmund did spend the uh, odd 25 million on and so um yeah I just wanted to say kudos to you Brandt. Uh, keep at it keep doing what you're doing because um I am very much enjoying it and uh, the fact that um he is becoming a more diligent player and uh, you know doing the basics right um is is just good to see and uh, you know makes him maybe a candidate to to stick around longer in Dortmund instead of always being among the rumored players to exit as soon as possible. What do you think, Lars? Yeah, I think um, we are all wary of falling into the Julian Brandt trap, which is <laughs> believing after a few games that he's finally turned the corner. Um, even though I think the, the base level that Julian Brandt has given Dortmund over these, uh, three and a half years now, I think, uh, is solid enough. I think, uh, he's been basically at least there like 12 men and most of the time he's actually been a starter. His scoring and assisting output has been decent, if not great. Um, so if, if you get baseline, Brandt, I think it's better than what most people give him credit for, but that's also due to the fact that we all know that potential or, or the, the the high end of the Brandt spectrum is is quite special in in some ways, and I wouldn't necessarily say that we've we've been getting special Brandt performances over the last few weeks, um, but there's a level of consistency he seems to have found, and also a lack of dedication in working in, off the ball and uh, making defensive contributions in in running winning the ball back and and all that stuff um so i think he himself called it a sort of uh maturation in his game um in an interview with uh, german sky last week and i think that kind of putting it uh nicely i think there's definitely something to be said for uh his mindset seemingly having changed but as i said initially i think and, and also, as you have uh, alluded to, it's uh, uh, the with Brandt, you always have to uh, kind of wait for it to, uh, you know, be 
like this for let's say 10 games in a row so basically if if he keeps this up until the world cup break and features for germany then i'm pretty sure he's going to be in the 26 man selection but not necessarily playing too much in qatar but if he keeps it up till till the world cup break i can i think we can say that it was probably from start to finish brand's best half season or so in dortmund and that's certainly encouraging that a player who's still not old obviously but who's been around for quite some time now uh, having started out so early at 17 at, at Leverkusen or Wolfsburg uh, even uh, it's it's encouraging to see someone like that still being able to make uh, you know jumps in sort of football development if that makes sense yeah uh, certainly now uh, a player who didn't really make a jump in footballing development but uh, certainly did manage to impress Yesterday was, of course, Mats Hummels, and uh, he was a person of controversy in recent weeks, uh, also because of his post-match interviews after the Sevilla match uh, and, of course, the Union Berlin match, where he, um, after the Sevilla match, in general criticized uh, the team for lacking uh, footballing IQ and uh, making too many, um, you know, backheel plays and whatnot. And then, I think, without without mentioning him, but uh, against Union Berlin, obviously... Um, after what he did criticize Adeyemi um, for this backheel giveaway um, that led to the 2 nothing, And um, obviously, um, Emre Can and uh, Gregor Kobold since have said that uh, they do not appreciate uh, the criticism out in public. And I think um, there were reports yesterday that, um, you know, Tersic and Kiel have sort of asked Hummels to tone it down a bit as well um now uh obviously i i personally like when hummus does it i know not everyone does <laughs> uh going by certain people's burner accounts but uh, um last more importantly he did come out with a performance uh, of vintage hummus i would say yesterday and i think overall he's one of the most important players this season uh, for dortmund when it comes to their overall cohesion and uh, also defensive stability and also maybe mental stability because uh, Dortmund, when they've fallen apart, it was often uh, without Hummels on the field. So, um, you know, I I would love to vex a little bit more on his performance, but uh, I'll leave you to it because uh, I, I've i seen you rave on Twitter a little bit yesterday. So uh, if you have something positive to say, then uh, I'll always let you go first. Um, I basically, (laughs) (laughs) basically advise people to just, uh, look at my Twitter feed then, because I don't want to repeat myself. I think I'm not necessarily a fan of Hummel's, uh, inability to walk away from a microphone, uh, in good times and in bad. I think sometimes he likes himself or, or listening to himself a bit too much. But uh, I, I guess uh, if someone walks the walk after talking the talk, that's uh, fair enough. And obviously, um, I would actually conflate both uh, games against City. I think Hummels was uh, the best defender on the pitch in both games. And given all the investment that Man City have made in, in the likes of Ruben Dias and, and John Stones back in the day, and now even Manuel Akanji <coughs> uh, and, and Nathan Ake, um, and Dortmund obviously have also uh, invested quite a bit uh, this season in Schlotterbeck and Süle. And right now, uh, I you you would 
be hard pressed not to take Comels over the lot of them, and including both clubs. So uh, that's definitely something he can be uh, quite proud of. Um, I think there was a lot of talk ahead of the season that Hummel's time at Dortmund was going to be over because of Zülle and Schlotterbeck. Uh, and even though both of those guys have uh, made a quite positive first impression, um, Hummel's is far and away Dortmund's defensive leader. And uh, it would be kind of a travesty if Hummel's didn't go to Qatar with the German national team. And uh, you could even make the case in the... Uh, People have made the case now after the second City game that it would be kind of a joke if Hummels wasn't even uh, was not going to be a starter in in, in the at the World Cup. So um, yeah, two absolutely magnificent, as you said, vintage Hummels performances, uh, which were obviously sorely needed. Um, and I don't know how many other defenders will have that kind of performance uh, against a side like City with Haaland, who obviously wasn't necessarily at a hundred percent. Uh, at Dortmund being pulled after 45 minutes, but still, in, in those 45 minutes, I'm sure he did a lot less than he has done in the vaunted Premier League this season. Yeah, uh, mo most certainly. I mean, first of all, <laughs> as you said, uh, he does it all very gracefully, and um, I just love how he reads the game. It is uh, just really nice to see how um you know he moves out and and does the little things right very often uh leaves his line especially against Haaland um I think he did it really well to completely cut him off and uh intercept you know <laughs> obviously um he had this moment where he did sort of have the sliding tackle and then recovered with a header clearing it to a corner which was of course uh the more spectacular stuff but uh, I also just think uh, the anticipation and then of course the very calmness on the ball and uh, the distribution. Um, it's its just really nice to see. And um, yeah, obviously he's in a contract year. And uh, I personally hope that, uh, you know, if, if he can conserve this form and uh, I mean, it's its not like he's losing a lot of pace at this point since, uh, yeah, everyone has made a joke. He is not the fastest as is. I think he can have another year or so or maybe even two um, at this level if... Uh, you know, he keeps it up the way he is because he obviously did say that he um, changed his nutrition and a couple of other things um, to accommodate for uh, father time, if you will. So we'll see where it goes. But right now um, it is, uh, yeah, just uh, very nice to see and um, and an odd to watch, I, I would say, because uh, it is special to have a defender with this skill set to do the things that Mats Hummels does, to be honest, on the football field. And uh you know, when he retires, I don't think we'll see a player quite like him uh, anytime soon again. So uh, I personally, um, I'm just just glad that we get to see stuff like this. Uh, even if it's just a scoreless draw against Man City, who are uh, not even playing Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, Manchester City are still a very good team and you need a very good defensive performance in order to uh, shut them out. Have I don't think a lot of teams have managed it, uh, although Copenhagen <laughs> did as well. Um, but um, yeah, obviously we can't uh, end the City segment without a shout out um, to Gregor Kobel because he did save the penalty. And I did ask on Twitter when the last time it was that Kobel saved one. Apparently it was against Sporting uh, last season. But uh, I'll be honest, Lars, I don't think a lot of uh, uh, penalty saving has been going on from Dortmund keepers in recent years. So um, yeah, 
But some something told me that he was going to save that somehow. And um, yeah, just nice to see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think you're not going to find too many uh, Dortmund aficionados being uh, angry at Kobe saving a penalty. Um, I, I did not remember the one against Sporting myself either. I looked up when Berkey last saved one and I obviously remembered him saving one against Lautaro Martinez of Inter in, in the Champions League a few years ago. Uh, and that was basically it. Uh, I think that's uh, at least by data of uh, transfermarkt.de. Um, that was the only penalty Berkey ever saved. There was another one missed by Fabinho in a Monaco Champions League game in, in, in 2017. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's that's the depths we have to go to. And I think before then, outside of penalty shootouts, which shouldn't count because obviously you have much more options to save one. I think we can almost go back to uh, Berkey against Ian Robin. So, uh, uh, Berkey, Weidenfeller. I said. Weidenfeller, <laughs> yeah. Weidenfeller against uh, Ian Robin. So, um, I'm not necessarily sure that this is going to ring in the golden age of Dortmund goalkeepers uh, against penalties, but um, as, as we alluded to earlier, probably got them uh, the ticket to uh, the knockout stages with a game to spare. And, and with the schedule being as it is, it's it's very nice going into the Copenhagen game with what should be uh, Dortmund B, uh, the likes of Alex Meyer, Felix Paslak, uh, Tom Rote, Emre Can, Anthony Modest. Uh, and whoever else is going to be available. I mean, basically, if Terzic uh, even thinks about playing Bellingham from from the start in Copenhagen, uh, <laughs> I will, I, I will, I will uh, hold a pillow up and uh, a gun next to it, and I, I will quietly relieve him of his duties. <laughs> I think because it would be a crime to play Bellingham in this game. I'm, I'm sorry. I think you were spending too much time in America, Stefan. Yeah, maybe that that that. But that that could be. <laughs> I'm just watching too many movies on planes. Um, but um, yeah. Uh no. Uh, oh, but but yeah. I I I almost was uh annoyed that Bellingham came on against Hanover, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's. I mean, he is very much overplayed, and uh, you you can see it a little bit. So any break that he can get. Uh, would be nice. Uh, ideally, just don't even make him travel to uh, Copenhagen, but uh, let him relax or do whatever uh, needs to be done on a training ground in Dortmund. But uh, yeah, I would appreciate um, if he doesn't even travel. I'll be honest. But uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, what lineup we uh, then see against Copenhagen. But uh, yeah, you're right. It needs to be the BES, the BES team that you can find, uh, although the depth isn't high enough right now. But um, yeah, let's uh, look forward um, to uh, Saturday's game. And uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, are currently playing as we're recording against Marseille. And I think they're winning up right now. And, um, you know... I'll be honest, Eintracht Frankfurt, outside of uh, Dortmund, that I obviously love to watch because they're Dortmund, uh, are probably my favorite team to watch this season. Um, I'm a big uh, Kolomoani fan uh, already. I think uh, he is a fantastic signing. He is a striker that uh, can create for himself and for his teammates. And, uh, you know, it's just a whirlwind 
obviously still a bit of a diamond in the rough, but uh, already, uh, you know, is doing a lot of damage. So, um, yeah, uh, I think he has scored four goals and assisted seven uh, in all competitions. So these are pretty good stats. Uh, right now, I think the uh, most dangerous player Frankfurt have is uh, Kamada, who has uh, scored 10 overall. And uh, Jasper Lindström, uh, when they destroyed, uh, God, who was it? I think Leverkusen. Um, had a really nice dink over the keeper as well. So, um, you know, it's just it's just nice to see that Eintracht Frankfurt um, have retained um, their form after the Europa League win. And, uh, you know, even though they get routed on the very first Bundesliga match against Bayern, um, I think by now have found their shape and uh, are a very strong Bundesliga side and uh, are fun to watch and uh, are enriching the Bundesliga as a competition and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very I'm very happy with Frankfurt right now. How do you see um, Dortmund approach this uh, very difficult game? Because obviously last year um, they won uh, in Frankfurt after being tunneled down and had a nice comeback, but I'm not entirely sure how this one is going to pan out. I think the only time I've actually watched Frankfurt this season. <laughs> was the first game no uh, I as you know I don't tend to watch Bayern games in the Bundesliga so I think it was when they beat Leipzig like 4-1 it was also Saturday evening kickoff top spiel as we call it uh, but I watched it with a couple of mates in, in a pub basically so nice. I might have looked into the glass more often than on the TV screen <laughs> <laughs> but I do I, are you drinking Kölsch by the way I've never asked no, this no 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 um, I do remember more from the second game we watched that evening which was Hamburger as 4 against Karlsruhe SC um, <laughs> so yeah I, I mean obviously we kind of know what Frankfurt are at this point um, you already mentioned Kolomwani and Kamada there's obviously also Götze you also mentioned Lindström um, they are a side that does really well in these big moments as evidenced by uh, their run to the Europa League final in which I guess they were a little little bit lucky um, considering how the game went because uh, if, if memory serves uh, Rangers went in front via penalty right? Yeah. And then uh, the equalizer I, I seem to recall it was a bit scruffy um, nevertheless uh, it was also from, really well created by uh, Witch McCarlett, their former wingback. Kostic? Kostic, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, Frankfurt did what Dortmund couldn't do in not only beating Rangers, but winning the damn trophy. So um, everything Frankfurt have had come their way over the last few months and years has been worked hard at. Uh, not the easy way out uh, with, you know, investors and whatever, but just through honest, good work, good decision-making, uh, good coaching, especially with Oliver Glasner, who's probably the best Bundesliga coach nobody outside of Germany has ever heard of. Um, a, a lot of just smart transfer business. Um you know, they, they got Kolomwani off Nantes on a free transfer, not because he desperately wanted to join the Europa League winners, but uh, he actually had signed before then 
just because uh, Markus Krösche, the, the uh, sporting general manager, was one of the first ones to knock on his door and, and talk about a move to a bigger bigger league or bigger club. Um, they got Götze back to Germany and, and have dealt with all that comes with that, you know, the, the media attention that Götze attracts and all that. Um, they, they've dealt with that without any issues. Uh, I think for, from what I can tell, which is, as I said, not necessarily too much, but it seems like Götze has a pretty decent shot as well at, at making the World Cup squad as does, uh, Götze, uh, Hummels, as we talked about earlier. So just all in all, uh, as you said, Frankfurt, one of the best Bundesliga sides, uh, these days. And I think their home record this season is very strong. Um, they they just beat Gladbach away from home. Obviously, Gladbach having a bit of a personnel issue these days, but still uh, one of the first sides to beat Gladbach uh, this season. So uh, I I have no idea how Dortmund approach this game. <laughs> uh, I I obviously uh, will watch the rest of the Frankfurt game or you know uh, catch whatever is put on the simulcast whenever we're done with this recording. But I think. Just in general, away to Frankfurt these days is one of the three, four, five hardest matches of the season. So as ever the optimist, as I'm known in, in the Yellow World Pod community, I'm desperately uh, hoping for at least a draw. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think that a draw will be an excellent result for Dortmund. Obviously, if you look at the table, it's not going to help them much. But um, I, I really don't think uh, that... Uh, Dortmund uh, go there and just uh, thump Frankfurt. Uh, if anything, um, it could rather be the other way because Frankfurt this season have done some serious damage uh, against other teams. Uh, you know they've they've also beaten Union Berlin to nothing. Uh, something that uh, not many teams have managed. Obviously Bochum recently, um, but uh, um, yeah, I think uh, obviously they they. Beat Gladbach. I did not see that game, but uh, I did beat them. Uh, I did see them beat Leipzig, and I did see them beat uh, Leverkusen. Even though beating Leverkusen nowadays uh, not that impressive, but um, Frankfurt do it always in an impressive fashion because they have a nice attacking flow and uh, they have uh, a lot of automatisms going. And uh, you know, I think every player sort of knows their roles. And as you said, they're extremely well coached. Um, their defensive structure. Um, is also very formidable, although I think in Bundesliga they have already conceded 18 goals, which is four more than Dortmund, but uh, they have also scored 24 goals, which is six more than Dortmund. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not very optimistic about uh, Saturday. Maybe it helps that Dortmund uh, have uh, one more day to recover, but uh, then again, Dortmund did play against Manchester City and... Um, especially the the last 20 25 minutes or so must have been extremely straining for Dortmund because uh, Man City had all the ball and were just passing it around and Dortmund uh, had to close the gaps which is uh, very tiring so i don't know um who will be fit for that game um obviously ideally you would want to see Giorena play but i do not know if he is already fit enough uh for a third start in like what uh, 7 or 8 days I'm not entirely sure about that. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, what Dortmund team we will get. Um, but, yeah, all I know is that it's probably going to be a very entertaining game for the neutral. I'm just not sure if it is 
also for Dortmund fans. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think what is overall positive um, for Dortmund is that uh, Karim Adeyemi is starting to become a little bit better. Um, I'm not too jazzed about his overall decision making nowadays. Um, against uh, against City, you could see um, after he missed that first chance. Uh, where it was free on goal, uh, he had a chat on the sideline with Tessic who told him to basically, whatever you do, just freaking pass the ball. And uh, then he nearly had an assist for Mokoko and nearly an assist for Reina. Um, so maybe that is more positive. But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be too insulting, but uh, sometimes he is on Timo Werner level of decision making. So um, I think that needs to be improved. But, uh, you know, if we also look at overall trends uh, for Dortmund, I think it is also positive that uh, Yusuf Mokoko is now starting regularly and uh, doing, I would say, fairly well for a 17-year-old uh, who was easily outmuscled by big, tall defenders. And I think he is holding his own uh, particularly well. And uh, obviously what also helps is that uh, Chalyoshan will be rested after missing the game against Manchester City due to his suspension. So um, the fact that Dortmund managed to uh, close down or shut down Man City... Um, Without Oshan, it's uh, all the more impressive. Um, so yeah, I I don't know what uh, what the fullback situation is. It's maybe one interesting one, Lars. Because uh, would you uh, play Torgen Hazard again as a left back, or uh, I don't even know if Guerrero will become available or not. But um, just off your observations against Manchester City, do you think that's a viable option going forward, or do you think this is? Uh, uh, a one-off lucky guess by Terzic, but nothing that can be replicated with consistency. I mean, Azar is quite adept at playing wingback uh, for for Belgium. Uh, he's actually played on both sides for Belgium, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Um, so, I think sometimes we get caught up in the nomenclature of of these positions. Uh, I don't know that playing wing back is like an entirely different pair of shoes compared to playing uh, left back for a usually quite dominant uh, in terms of possession uh, side like Dortmund. So uh, if the alternative is uh, playing uh, a not quite fit Guerrero or Tom Rote, who's just not necessarily ready for prime time, as it were, <laughs> then then I think it makes sense to keep riding the quote-unquote hot hand in, in Azar. Um, but I don't necessarily think that either uh, of those situations is going to make or break Dortmund's uh, chances against Frankfurt. I think Frankfurt right now are playing with uh, Dina Ebimbe on the right side, uh, who's a learned uh, central midfielder, but because Ansgar Knauf, for example, isn't healthy right now and a few of uh, their other solutions for the right wing haven't really panned out, they've uh, pushed Ebimbe on to the right side. He's uh, uh, very athletic, uh, from what I can tell, but obviously being a, a someone trained in central midfield, you would assume, uh, and you might correct me because you obviously love watching Frankfurt by your <laughs> own admission, uh, but you would assume that uh, Frankfurt's attacking play isn't going to center wholly on their makeshift right wing back. So no. how Dortmund react to that, I don't know if that's a make or break 
kind of decision. Yeah, it's interesting that Frankfurt uh, this season compared to last season uh, and the seasons before because of Kosic combined a lot uh, through the left side uh, nowadays. Uh, I would say that they are actually doing a lot uh, through their own midfield because uh, with uh, Dibrilso and Daichi Kamada they have uh, a very healthy um, double pivot and obviously in front of that uh, with uh, Mario Götze who um, is of course roaming through the half spaces. Uh, <laughs> what else would he do? Um, you know, they, they have a lot of fluidity and the ability to create a lot of triangles in the, in the final third of the field. And uh, yeah, I think Jesper Lindstrom, um, also a player, um, he's obviously more of a, in my view, at least a, a false nine, um, but he, he does play a bit behind uh, Muani, who uh, also is uh, often playing on the wings, but, uh, you know, fast, fast dribbly player, uh, likes to attack through the half space and whatnot. Um, but my point being is um, that um, they are all very, um, yeah, ce centrally focused, let's say. And uh, yeah, so I don't know if the if the fullback position will matter as much. Um, but uh, then again, um, you know, they they also just do like to counter. So um, in in that turn in in that regard, I think um, having Hazard's pace. Um, it's actually quite a help. So, um, yeah, if if not, I don't know uh, what state Melis Wolf is in. All I heard is that he had some sort of illness, um, but, uh, yeah, must have been relatively severe because he was out for it uh, for quite a while. So it must have been a, a very dangerous case of the man flu. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to say that uh, Jesper Lindström um, has also really matured for Frankfurt and... Uh, is uh, much better on the ball and uh, has uh, matured in his finishing, if you will, because in the in the past I was thought he he had like very good, um, you know, initial plays, but then somehow ruined it by uh, by his own uh, uh, ineptitude, and uh, he has uh, managed to um, yeah just improve overall as a striker and as a player, and uh, I think you can see that. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what uh, Tessic will do against uh, Frankfurt's uh, very um, good back three because with Tuta and Dika and uh, Jakic in the middle, I think they have one of the strongest uh, back threes or centre-back uh, triplets, if you will, uh, of the league. And uh, of course, um, Kevin Trapp on top of that is really probably in the best form of his life right now. So, um, yeah, really well run a team and uh, I'm, of course, singing their praises and hopefully that means that Dortmund will somehow beat them. But, uh, yeah, if I have to give a scoreline prediction, I'm going with a two-all draw. Yeah, for the sake of uh, difference of opinion, I'm going for a wacky three-all draw. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for... Uh, talking through these games with me i'm uh very much looking forward to saturday and uh, hope that uh, it's going to be more positive than uh, i anticipate but uh, i feel like the um recent past has shown that dortmund um after performances like this in the champions league or overall uh do indeed smell themselves a little bit too much and uh, just cannot replicate it so um if they manage to have a good performance you know regardless of the result that's uh, already would be very encouraging, but uh, you know I've been burned too many times to uh, <laughs> bank on that right now. But uh, yeah, as always, um, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. 
goodbye